1: is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey.
2: Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast by myself, Ross and Joe, took everything milking stunts. Well, after a uh, pretty insightful and really good episode with Russ Martin previously, uh, we round off our 2021 season with this end-season review. Um, so before we kick into our, uh, what we've got planned, um, I introduce the rest of the gents. So, uh, Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Obviously,
3: missing the Dons at the weekend, but uh, we've got plenty to cover, I guess, in this episode.
2: Yeah, definitely. And um, so me and me, myself and Joe were considering going to the uh, Academy Showcase game tonight, but uh, we uh, instead we, we've got it down to the podcast and decided to record an episode for you guys. So, uh Sure, Joe, maybe, maybe we'd rather be at the stadium, but it's not a bad alternative, is it? Sitting down talking dons here. No,
4: it's I'll actually have to look up some stuff because some of this is it, you forget how long ago it is and what's actually changed in a year. So, uh, yeah, it'll be uh nice to have a little look back at and see how far we've come really across the season.
2: Yeah, definitely. This is what this episode's all about, really. Just uh, you know, reflect on this season, then of course, uh, the next episode will turn our focus to well the 2021-22 20, season and um, joining us tonight is the joint uh, fan of the year ourselves um, in Jonathan Harry's so Jonathan how are you doing?
5: Yeah I'm good that still, still hasn't sunk in even though that's well over a week ago so uh, yeah uh, can't complain since then.
2: Yeah it's been a little while since i've had you on pot hasn't it so it's good to have you on and good to get your insight again. Okay, let's, um, well, we decided to do this in chronological order. So, unfortunately, we've got to start with the absolute dreadful start to the season, really, um, where we were bottom of the league in mid-October, I believe. I think it was one win from the first eight games in the league. Um, obviously, it was not the ideal start at all. Um, a lot of new players were coming in late. They weren't fit enough because of COVID. Uh, it's absolute shambles, really. Um, so, Ross, I imagine you're... Your review of this part of the season wasn't too glamorous, but uh, take us through it anyway.
3: Yeah, it was obviously an eventful start to the season. And as you said, Liam, it was a poor start also. Um, obviously, going in, um, after the su- summer transfer window, losing um, key figures in Alex Gilby and Reese Healy, the main one. Um, it was just a case about nullifying that loss. Um, and we brought, brought through Jerome and Fraser. Um, and plenty more. But I felt we were always a step behind um, compared to everyone else with obviously them not having the full preseason with us. Um, They're always going to lack that sharpness and fitness as such, what you build up in preseason. And yeah, I, I always felt we were behind as such. And I felt the results reflected that.
2: Yeah, there was also a lot of negativity, wasn't there, regarding, you know, certain individuals at the club, regarding those sales you spoke about regarding uh Reese and Alex, you know, there were there were two very talented individuals who, you know, uh, one of whom has done really well in France uh, since leaving. And uh, when you lose players like that, Joe, it's it's very hard to not be negative about a certain situation, especially when, you know, we saw Reese Cowboard leaps and bounds since he joined from Cardiff and uh, yeah it was it was a difficult situation wasn't
4: it yeah i mean i think um out of the people we that left in the summer though russ said he was only upset about losing healy and i think we saw that you know when gilby went on and he's you know although he's been he's been, had a few good games for Charlton, but on by and large he's been quite disappointed for them and and you look at healy and he's absolutely tearing it up in the second tier in france so yeah i think um and you look at, well, you look at Gilby's replacement in Fraser. But yeah, as we say in the first sort of, I, I've almost bracketed this as like the first eight games. And it was, I actually had a look at that team that started that game. And we had Bailey Cargill starting against Doncaster. We had Sam Nonbay starting against Doncaster. And these are players that, well, it, it seems like it almost, you know, seems like a world wave since we last saw them play. And if you look at, you know, the sort of quality, just look at the quality. I, I don't think these players would maybe even make our bench now. Um, and I looked at just from the first game of the season to the ninth game of the season, and only five of the same players were actually starting. Um, so that just shows you that over half the team had changed in a matter of nine games. And I had a little look through at uh, the first eight games, and I seem to remember um, we actually did play quite well in some of these. Um, I think to the, you know, the Doncaster away, we played really well, got a draw. Lincoln, Lincoln at home, they got a penalty that was never a penalty um, and we, we lost 2-1 um, Portsmouth away, they had four shots we had I think 18 or something um, so we did put in some decent performances but I think we can all remember, you know, Lee Nichols made some he had some difficult moments let's say and he was dropped and I think the first, the second win of the season which we had uh, which was Wigan, I believe I oh, know. So it was Blackpool away was Fishes. So Fish started the eighth game of the season, and from then onwards, um, you know, you can see that the form really did it. It started to correct itself as such, and you know, it's no coincidence that that's also the sort of time that um, that Jerome came into the
2: team as well. Yeah, we'll certainly get on to that sort of it was revival. Of once Fish came in a bit later on. Yeah. Um, but focusing on this sort of period of the season. Um, Jonathan, it was difficult, wasn't it? Because yeah, you lose you lose a couple of players, and you know the, your new your new recruits who have went to replace these players are still getting fit. Um, and of course, the manager, Russ Martin, said on our pod um, last episode how he didn't appreciate the sort of skepticism that the players he did get, um, that the whole squad was getting at, at the start because you know he didn't really have the time to work with them and things like that. So it was just a difficult start to season, wasn't it? And it was probably with the Sort of pandemic as well, a, a sort of a a double a double blow, I suppose, to the club and the fans in general.
5: Absolutely, uh, I think fans have got to remember that Russell Martin's first pre-season is going to be this summer. He did, he had no pre-season with the whole team as a group altogether. together. Um, he was adding players in as we were going along, which was. Which which would be difficult because obviously they have to acclimatise to um, the area. They have to acclimatise to the um, players and how we play because obviously we play a, a unique style in League One. Um, as Joe said, there were a lot of results that we were very unlucky in. And we maybe sh- well we sh- probably should have got more points than we did in the first eight games. That Doncaster game, we had chances in the first game of the season. Portsmouth still don't know how we didn't get anything out of that one um, and as you say it, it took a while for for us to click but once it clicked then as you say our, our season got better and you could say that our slow start is possibly what, well it is what hindered us from getting to the playoffs if you look at Blackpool and Oxford I think they were in similar positions the first eight games and they're both in the playoffs now so would you say if we had a bit more of a solid start, then who knows where we could have been?
2: Yeah, exactly. All it needed was really, in the end, of the day was what one or two results, um, and we're, we're right there. So, you know, that's uh, that's very minimal in the 46 game season for sure. And we start, we started to see in December actually, and I made note of that we started to see this revival from the side. Um, I made a note of four wins, two draws, and two losses that month alone. Um, and of course, that saw us progress in multiple cup competitions. And um, whilst plenty of some impressive road wins at Charlton, which we, of course, the club and ourselves gave team performance of the season. And of course, a four win over Swindon, which uh, some people said wasn't as impressive as maybe it sounds. But I still think, you know, the clinicalness in front of goal was what stood out to me at least. Um, and of course, the following just after that was the, uh, the heartbreaking defeat to Burnley, which we played so well in and didn't deserve to lose. Well, it was got a draw. Yeah, oh, it, was a draw, it, it was a draw. Yeah, well, lost on penalties, whatever, whatever you want to call it. We still went out of the cup. Um, and of course, it was it was a bit heartbreaking, really, especially the way we could see that final goal was oh, horrible, horrible. But, you know, that Jonathan, that month for December really was a sort of sign of things to come, wasn't it? In terms of, you know, things starting to click, players starting to get more fit, and, you know, a, a bright sort of, sort of good things on the horizon, I guess.
5: Definitely. I mean, um, if I remember rightly, I think um, we lost to Plymouth round about that time away from home, which I think Russell Martin said was one of the worst performances of the season. And it seemed after that, I think he said he kept them in the dressing room afterwards, and they had a proper chat about uh, going going forward, how, how, how well, what we're going to do going forward, and it just seemed that, seemed to click. I think it was that Charlton was, just seemed to build the momentum, and obviously going away to Swindon. I think we were unlucky to draw with Peterborough at home in that period, and Burton, I think. I think we had two home games in a row. Yeah, yes, correct. To to, um, not get maximum points, and you could see once Fraser was getting up to speed, once Jerome was getting up to speed, I think Andrew Sermon was in there by then as well. Uh, He was just getting up to speed, and you could see partnerships forming and uh, it was it and you could see the football was definitely improving and it was just being a bit more clinical. That was the only that was the only thing again holding us back. We were creating the chances, we just weren't putting them away.
2: Yeah, Jonathan touched on the partnerships, Ross, didn't he? And there were some really good ones in that team. And of course, we didn't know what was gonna January, regarding how many players had actually come in, but it yeah, it felt like a, a long time coming, didn't it? Because we had, as I said we had such tough parts of the season, and then you know December came around and got some results.
3: Yeah, well, the reason why I remember that Bristol Rovers uh, game so much is because obviously it was against Paul Disdale, and um, I remember after the, after the game he came up with all these excuses, and he was, it was just just reminded me uh, what I've missed so much. Um, but no, yeah, I think that's where we um, we started the drive and. I think that's where the the process is such. Um, everyone started to really believe it um, because I believe the game after that we got back to back wins, and uh, it was the first time this season. So it was really a step in the right direction as such. But I just wanted to um, touch upon we we saw glimpses and potential oh, within oh, the squad hey. um, through that period of time. But I feel obviously we're, we're going to go into it, but I just feel January is a completely different, like kettle of fish. And if we're to compare the December side to the team we've got now, it's just, it's mind blowing in my eyes.
2: Yes. Yeah, so as you mentioned, Ross, um, moving on swiftly to 15th, January, you know, I've, I've titled it new year, new Dance. you know, we had, we had 14 player transactions, um, of course, six incoming, six outgoings and two contract tensions And, uh, yeah, it was a new type already, wasn't it? And whilst we did start the month with that um, draw slash loss to Burnley, um, you know, we, we picked up some winning streaks also. Of course, we had a, I think it was four game winning streaks in February and March with that same sort of players. And we started to climb up the table um, each time and, of course, get to just outside the playoff positions in the end. So, you know, I think it's safe to say that it was one of the best transfer windows we've ever had, hasn't it, Ross, in terms of the players you managed to get in and the players we got rid of for the... Uh, fees we did, yeah. I've put it down in my notes
3: that, that aside from the promotion season, um, in the 14 15 season, obviously we signed a Phobe, um, Grig, um, Baker, you had all these top players. I, I do feel this is up there, and I feel like we're going to really sit start to see that, um, in the next season. Um, but we, we have saw signs, um, the progression, and I think you've got to give Russ and Luke Williams and recruitment team a lot of credit um, because they could have played it safe and kept the core of the squads and kept us in the table just about. But no, they they took the gamble and they wanted to bring in their own players and look where it's got us. We've got a um, top half finish and he silences doubters as such.
2: Yeah, I mean, Joe, when we spoke to Russ in sort of November time, we asked about, you know, certain clubs want to loan players to us and uh, one certain player in Ethan Led sort of came onto the team from Man United. Uh, picked up a bit of slack for us, at the, well, from me and Ross specifically at the start, but um, he's a prime example of, as Ross mentioned, that recruitment and uh, how good it was really.
4: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I may I may have mentioned it at the time, but I think in what was most impressive for me in January was the players we were letting go. Um, I think quite a lot of people were sort of, they were upset and angry and, you know, losing players like Paul and Williams. And whilst they, yeah, they were great, they gave 100%, et cetera, et cetera, these players have been involved with two relegation battles with us. You know, one of them had been relegated with us. And I think people are, I think our fans especially, they're so sentimental. And I think it is clear to see that, you know, Paul is upgraded with someone like, um, Paul, Paul is basically upgraded with Ethan Laird and all of a sudden, Regan Paul's forgot about within two or three weeks. You know, Williams, he 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 hes comes out of the team and you've got a defender like Harry Darling signing. You know, in the last three months, I don't think I've heard anyone talk about George Williams. It's its that's and George Williams has since got a unfortunately be relegated for Bristol Rovers. But I think it just shows that, you know, people, players that we had in the team that, you know, people thought, oh yeah, no, they're decent players. It's actually kind of shown maybe they weren't as good as, you know, I, I like them as people, but, you know, I think they were ruthless in January. And from what we've heard, Russ wanted to do this in the summer. And I think if anything, it bodes well for this upcoming summer, because if, you know, if I'm Pete, I'm thinking, hang on a minute, off-right losses, and all of a sudden, you know, it's it was an example of some real swift trading, uh, you know, player trading, because it literally was just letting players go and upgrading substantially in quite a few areas. And um I was going to mention about in how in you know December um when we started to you know get a few performances going. At that point was the first time we actually had a solid spine in the team. And at that time it was Fish, Fishio, Fraser and Jerome. And I think that was the month where Fraser he he, he had a really really good month but I think we, you know, we've mentioned it before. He was the creative hub; everything went through him. And what really helped us, I feel, is in January we actually got him some help in Matt O'Reilly. And as you said, Ethan Laird, because at that point, Paul, yeah, bundle of energy, worked hard, but he, he you know, so often he found himself in the box. And I don't think, he, off the top of my head, I don't think he, you know, he created too many chances. And it, you know, to actually have someone lethal like Ethan Laird there. And then also in the middle, having someone like Matt O'Reilly, it really actually, it just eased the burden on Fraser. Um, so, yeah, it's, it was really impressive. And, you know, if anything, I, I remember I, say, I actually said in January, I was actually quite excited whenever I saw someone leave because I was just couldn't wait to see who the replacement would be. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can see more of the same sort of thing in the summer.
2: Yeah, speaking of uh, easing the burden on certain players, I feel uh, the signing of Will Griggs did that for a certain Cameron Jerome up top, who was heavily reliant on pretty much doing everything up front for Dons, really, with the occasional appearance of Joe Mason. Um, And, of course, Charlie Brown came in to get the occasional minutes. But it really was Will Griggs, uh, to be honest, who took the burden of that. So, Jonathan, I suppose... Was he as an important signing as the likes of Matt O'Reilly was in terms of getting help for Jerome? Of course, and O'Reilly was getting help for Fraser, etc.
5: Definitely. I mean, that again, we at the start of the season, it was it was pretty much Fraser and Jerome show. Um, obviously they were pretty close in the goal scoring front. I think they were pretty close in the assist front by the end of the season. And uh, as you say, it it just needed people just to either step up that were already in the squad or to come into the squad and to, to back up the good work that was uh, happening. And as you say, Harry Darling came in to replace with essentially Richard Keogh in, in a way. And it's it, he's just a bit like a glove. you have got Zach Jules. who have got a few games towards the end of the season set, settling in, um, obviously Warren O'Hara as well. He's he's had a real good season and as people have said we just had an upgrade in pretty much every position that um that we've let go um and it it's so refreshing to see that um a Russell Martin knows what he wants and b that Winkleman and at the time Andrew Cullen were willing to to back him um but I believe Harry Darling was a target for this summer and they brought it forward so. Than to show the trust in Russell Martin so soon into his management is just incredible and it's just brilliant to see.
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh, such a shame to lose Andy, really. I was just speaking to the um, the guys at the PA forecast for jumping on with you guys to talk about this uh, regarding uh, Cullen Jordan Pompey. Yeah, real shame to lose Andy. Um, obviously, a top bloke who Care about the club a lot, and obviously our supporters a fair bit as well. So, shade to see him go, but I'm sure at CEO Pompey he'll uh he'll do more than all right, and uh, definitely take any of our players. That's for sure. In terms of uh, well, let's see, it's valuation, of course, which uh, Pompey, of course, could do. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, this recruitment we were just speaking about kind of puts us in a really good position to finish the season as he it, as it meant to go on, really. And we kind of saw that from the Dons as they only lost three out of the last 12 league games. And even some of those losses were, you know, the result of the Rochdale one, for example. I, I can't see us losing that significantly to Rochdale um, if you played them 46 times a season every week. Um, it's a bit of a nothing game, really. And, yeah, I mean, the, the, the finish was strong, wasn't it, Joe, in terms of how we performed? And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe motivation was a bit lacking for the last few, but apart from that, it was stellar, really, from the boys, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was early March. We had a little blip um, and then we had a really strong, strong string of results and, you know, Fleetwood and Rochdale last year, as you say, you know, a, a, a different time, if there's something to play for, then you, you get a different game uh, in both of those, I'm convinced. Um, and I think, again, you know, there was changes to the team uh, towards the end of the season. You had Kasumu coming back, you had the arrival of Mkechran. Um, But what was really good was quite a few of the players that were featuring were players that are young and are getting valuable experience ahead of next season. Um, I think that maybe there's a couple of players we maybe wanted to see a bit more of, such as Charlie Brown. But I'm sure, you know, Russ had his reasons, which is, you know, at the end of the day, we're not the manager. Um, But I think, yeah, it was good to see the ruthlessness in some of the games. Um, It was good to see um, Fraser back back in form um as well. Um and yeah it's just it was and I think Kasumu coming back before the break and getting himself five, ten games is really good as well because, you know, it all of a sudden if you if he goes you know seven, eight months without playing rather than you know three or four, it's it's a big difference. And yeah, it, it's just, you know, the feel good factor was there. Um it, it was weird, you know, I think it was only the last two games. I was just a bit I wasn't that motivated, I guess, to watch. But up until then, you know, I was enjoying watching the games. They didn't seem to feel, you know, any sort of dead rubbers. We put in some really solid performances, um, scored a few goals and we were largely, the defence was quite tight as well towards the end of the season, which was nice.
2: Yeah, even, I think I watch pretty much every game of the season, even I struggled with the last few. Uh, yeah, there were struggles to watch for sure. Um, but... I suppose with that, having been that comfortable at the end of the season, um, kind of allowed for Russ to be very experimental with his lineups. And, uh, Ross, I know you made a note of this. I'll let you elaborate more on it. But we saw a lot of players playing different positions, didn't we? And Russ trying out new things ahead of the new season.
3: Oh, yeah. And that's what you want because of, I know uh, some people don't like to say the word, but the plan B, um, if we're going to go into next season and have this plan B, um and that's not just long ball, that's a different formation or a different setup. Try and play as at different areas. And as you said, Liam, um, we saw O'Reilly go right wing back. I believe it was Fleetwood against Fleetwood. And then um he got took off for Sorensen. Um, but I feel like, especially in these last five games, the the player which pleased me the most was um Charlie Brown. And I feel like he's really um was well, was really starting to uh step in the uh, spotlight as such and um, it's giving russ a real headache going into next season because of he saying i want to be the the man and yes we all know that he probably isn't the man at the moment but more who who's to say that he's not the man he he believes he is and i believe i believe to an extent he's got the potential to uh, to be the main man and um, let's see where it plays or how it plays
2: yeah, of course, there's been a lot of a uh, striker who's recently around a dons, doesn't it? the past couple of days with uh, certain players, which I'm sure we'll elaborate on further in next week's episode. Uh, but turn our focus uh, back to uh, the end of the season for this season. Um, yeah, and I suppose we can elaborate on it well regarding the experimental side of things and how certain players can set up for next year. I suppose, there's, of course, there's a lot of work, Jonathan, isn't there, for the... Of Russ, Liam, et cetera, to do in terms of getting the squad back together again with losers and talent, of course, whether that be to loans or players leaving, which I'm sure we'll have more announcements for the next couple of weeks. But, you know, it puts in a good set, doesn't it, in terms of Russ can see what he likes, what he doesn't like, and, you know, bases his recruitment off that.
5: Absolutely. Um, I think we at the, at the moment, we've got such a strong spine of, of the squad Um and it's just about adding quality to, to what we've got. Um, obviously, the the striker position is probably the one most fans be looking at, considering there's only Charlie Brown and Jay Bird contracted so far for next season. Um, I'm sure Russ has got his, his ambitions and targets, and, and we'll get um, strikers in, whether they're ones that he wants to keep or, or new ones. And... I think also probably another another sort of centre-back to maybe cover the left-hand side is potentially another one. But as as I said, it, it's not major surgery like it was last summer. It's just minor details that we've got to get the right players in to hopefully push us further up the league next season.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think a th- 13th place finish for Don Steeves is very misleading. You know, as like I said, if he hadn't have... Uh putting in such a to end the season performance at Rochdale, we could have finished as high as ninth. So that's just one <laughs> performance. So, yeah, very positive season. And uh, I suppose before we round off, we'll focus on some maybe players who, more the individual players in general. And we'll start with the players who impressed us the most and maybe less focus on players who haven't really been spoken about as much this season. So we'll forget about the Cameron Jerome, just Scott Fraser's. Even the Harry Darlins will focus on some other players, and uh, I'll start with yourself, Joe. Who who's been some players that have impressed you the most this season? Who maybe have got a bit under the radar?
4: Um, I think Dan Harvey. Um, I think it's quite unfortunate that he was um, he was injured when he was because at that time he was ahead of Sorinola in the pecking order, and um, you know I think because um, I remember there was a press conference, and I think. Um, um, Toby Lock mentioned something about Sorinola starting over Harvey um, because he was injured and and Russ said, well, Harvey would have been starting anyway. Um, I think Harvey's been really unlucky this season with injuries and the international breaks breaking up his momentum. I feel he... Overall, I feel he is a better player right now than Sorinola. Maybe Sorinola had a bit more promise, but I feel that Harvey was showing it on a more consistent basis. Um, He scored a few goals. He could cut in, he could go outside. And he had that feisty streak that I think we all, as fans, you know, when we're back in grounds, we could absolutely love him winding up the opposition. Um, and then a player um, at the back end of the season who I was really, you know, I, I think when he, he got a few mentions, but, but to me, he did go under the radar a bit. It was um, Zach Jules. I feel that he he really did um, make an impression. And I feel that he, out of players that have played over 1,000 minutes, he's got the highest points per match. Um, for any MK Dons player this season in the league. Um, And I think that one thing which I I mentioned this, I think on one of the previous podcasts, but athleticism is something we've lacked in defence for a while. And with the likes of Jules and Laird, you know, you've got that pace, power, you know, maybe Louis doesn't quite have have that, but like, you know, Jules got himself out of some sticky situations purely because of, you know, is is physical attributes, which are just, I think, you know, we mentioned this in the podcast with Russ, you know, physical attributes are so, so much more um, prela- uh, prevalent in, in, in the lower leagues nowadays. And, um, you know, Warren unfortunately got injured. And I, I don't mean this in a slight to Warren at all, but um, we had a run of five clean sheets in seven games when Zach, Jules, Lewington and Darling were the three at the uh, back at the back. And, you know that 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 kind of tells you. You know any team would be happy with that record. Um, so yeah, I think Jules quietly. And he, and he seemed to get more and more confident as the games went on. You know, first couple of games he was playing it very safe, but in the last game you saw. You know, we saw surging runs forward. We saw shots from thirty yards, and um, it was really good to see. And yeah, it's. it's I don't think. Uh, I think the only given for who's playing centre back next season is Harry Darling. I think um, Russ has got a few decisions to make.
2: Yeah, definitely, and um, it's interesting to mention, mention Warren, actually, because I know Ross once highlighted Warren, so um, as a, as players impressed him the most, so I'll pass it over to Ross to talk about O'Hara.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to touch upon O'Hara, because obviously, um, we can bang on about Louis and Darling and all this, the incredible footballers, um, but obviously, Warren, I believe it's his first full season of men's football. Um, he's adapted to the level with ease in my eyes, and before we, before his injury, I felt he was really starting start to take shape and have some real calmness about him, and I feel like next season um, he certainly will be one to watch. So I know uh, we're a bit weak weak on that side, right hand side, in my eyes. I believe on the left hand side we've got Jules, we've got Louis, um, we've got we've got plenty of cover on that left. Maybe on that right, well, we've seen Louis coming over to the right, so maybe it's it's cover already there. But, yeah, I feel like Warren's gone under the radar as such. But another player I wanted to touch upon was Matt O'Reilly. I know um, Scott. you can speak about Scott Fraser all day long, but um, we've started to see teams man-mark Scott Fraser, and we questioned whether we're, we'd be able to score as many goals as we would, going tight to Fraser. But Matt O'Reilly steps up, and since he came in, I feel like he if Scott Fraser's being marked, I. Riley's got the technical ability to uh, pick out a pass or, as we saw at Rochdale, put one in the bottom corner. And I believe, especially next season, I believe we'll struggle to keep him if he plays anything like he does at the back end of this season.
2: Well, hopefully we'll be in some sort of contention where we could get up to the next division so maybe we can have a chance to keep him. But Well, there yeah. w-
3: always is that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no, yeah, two great choices there. Um, I've gone Fisher. Um, I still think... Well, I still think he's very under the radar, to be honest. I don't think he gets anywhere near enough credit he deserves for what he's done this season. As Joe mentioned, he came in against Blackpool what was the 8th or ninth game of the season. And ever since then, it's been... You know, one of the key parts of the system and heads the spine of the team, really. I don't think it would be anywhere near where we are in the league if it wasn't for Fisher. Um, and the fact that, I don't know, obviously it's, it's difficult with the award show that uh, Fish didn't get accredited for anything, but it, feel, it feels very, very harsh for him not to be. And I'm glad we had the opportunity to give him our award for Young Player of the Year because I thought he's absolutely tremendous this season. And I think the fact that, we, we look likely to keep him again for this upcoming season is a, a real big bonus to us. And um, yeah, hopefully Lund may continue for Fish because uh, he's been excellent this season. And I feel he, whilst Lee Nicholson, unfortunately has left the club now and did really uh, hamper himself with his performances. I felt Fish stepped up really well and um, those two together worked a nice partnership. So Jonathan, I've mentioned a lot of players. I'm not sure if that's anyone else for yourself, but um, anyone else would pressure you apart from the ones you mentioned?
5: Uh probably another one that's gone under the under the radar, uh well two that gone under the radar was probably Andrew Sermon and uh, Josh McEchrin. Yeah. I mean when Kasumu especially when Kasumi got injured, there was a, a lot of talk about how, how we cope. and when we moved into that box midfield with uh Fraser, O'Reilly, McEchrin and Sermon, um it, it seemed to work really well. And the experience of Sermon can't be undervalued or underestimated in regards um of the whole squad and like the youngsters around him. Um and obviously Josh McCachron's come in and he just offers us something different in that midfield. Some of the passes is just a, a level above what uh what he was playing with and uh I'd personally like to see both McEachran and Sermon hopefully sign on for next season. But uh yeah I definitely believe Sermon is another one that's probably gone under the under the radar
2: yeah it's a good suggestion there two players who have come in late and uh, yeah we're really really impressed to be fair I I like suggestions just seeing that the uh, Academy lads won their showcase game against Tottenham uh, 2-1 Alunga getting the 88th minute winner I think so well done to the lads Uh, Say wish we could have been there tonight but unfortunately podcast duties take over so well done to them gents uh, and everyone involved. um Okay. Players who expected more of? And this is going to be a difficult topic, this one, because, because of how, how well the season's gone, to expect more from players, is it feels a bit difficult to do that. But um I thought I'd ask your guys' thoughts anyway, just in case you had anyone. So, Jonathan, is there any players you expected more of this season from when they signed for the Dons?
5: Yeah. Uh... Probably the only one I can think of off the top of my head would be Louis Thompson. I mean, he started the season well. Um, I think it, I was on an early podcast this season and I wasn't too sure on, on Louis and uh, got convinced by Joe that he actually was a decent player. And when he did play, he was really good. But obviously these injuries that he keeps picking up, I don't know if they're the same injuries or, or different ones. I just feel that he's... He's impressed, but it's not been obviously consistent. And I'd just love to have seen if Louis Thompson could have built that role that obviously Matt O'Reilly's now got down. I believe that was the role he was playing previous to his injury. So I think if there was just one, I think it would just be Louis Thompson.
2: Yeah, as everyone knows, we're we're the Louis Tom Louis Louis Thompson a fan club here. Uh, in terms of him as a player, um, we all really like him. Um, and yeah, it's a shame he's he seems to be made a glass of fortune, doesn't he, Joe? It's uh, he's such a talented footballer, and to see him be injured every two seconds, it feels like it's such a shame. Yeah, it's it
4: is, and and I, I think you can say the same for Gladwin. Um, we saw, I mean, Gladwin started at the stadium at Light of Light at left wing back, and Louis Thompson also started that game. Um, so I think, you know, probably arguably one of our best games of the season. Um, and those two were, you know, were, were, were well involved. Um, I think Russ has said before, you know, if Louis Thompson stays fit for 40 games a season, he doesn't play in League One. But I think the unfortunate fact is he, he doesn't stay fit for 40 games, unfortunately. And um you know, Gladwin's all you know the same as well. It's uh, it's, it's a shame, um, but yeah, I think um, you know. In terms of disappointing players, I think Sorensen started off really, really promising, um, and that sort of petered out. And um, yeah, I think most of the players that maybe were a bit disappointing have left at this point. So, you know, I'm talking about maybe the, you know someone like Regan Paul. Um, but no, yeah, I think you're. It's more just. Um, players that showed glimpses that you just wish maybe just could have, you could have seen a bit more of.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and Ross, I know you had uh, Gladwell and Louis Thompson down on your notes, so um, I'll let you elaborate anything on that point. So, yeah, what were your thoughts on Glad and Louis Thompson, if they haven't mentioned already?
3: There's a reason why they're not at championship level, and they've got the quality, no, no doubt about it, but I just feel the injuries have hampered their careers and I think it just goes to show that uh, they're still struggling with them. And I feel going forward, I, I don't like to say it, but we can't really afford any passengers as such. I call it um, being on the injury table throughout the whole season. And I do feel if there's options out there, we've got to re- be replacing them with better.
2: Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And yeah, um... Yeah, I, I'm very surprised if either of those two um, are back at saving k next season. season. Uh, but I've, I've seen more surprising things. Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens regarding that. Um, okay, so final topic of the night, gents. Um, our three-word summaries of the 2021 season. Um, now, I was just doing it. I've asked listeners to do it as well, and I picked out, or we picked out, actually, sorry, um, some of our favourites. So... So the listener ones, uh, one from at Off the Line blog, um, who are fellow fan her partner, so hello gents. Um, their free word summary of Don's season was promise yet inconsistent. Uh, Camden Paul uh, said proper football again, which is i sure we can all relate to. Um, J- Joseph Chapman uh, said winning winning SW17 return. So yeah, I, that, I'm very over pleased with that, especially given it uh, our moment of the season. Uh, Alex Mackle, uh, I finally said a uh, no trusted for, no trusted process, um sort of post and he put process is trusted. So fair play, Alex. And um Alvia report posh, so hello James, hope you well. Um said better than expected, which um I think a lot of people can agree with, especially after the start of the season that we elaborated earlier on. So um Joe, I'll start with yourself. What's your three-word summary for the Don's 2021 season and give us a bit of explanation why it's that? Um I've put Promise bearing fruit, and what I mean by that is
4: that we've seen flashes of, you know, in the in the first half of the season we fought, saw flashes of good play. We saw, but it was kind of underwritten by a soft underbelly, goalkeeping mistakes, bad finishing. The second half of the season we were a lot more consistent. We were scoring goals. We were still conceding a few, but we, you know, towards the end of the season, as I said, we've had tightened up. And it's almost, you know, it's all good and well, playing well, playing nice football. But we were starting to get those results in the second half of the season. And I look at our sort of, you know, the core that you've got for next season. And that makes me excited because I I trust that if we lose one or two, there's going to be, you know, a list of five players that are ready to come in to replace them.
2: Yeah, no, like it. Good, 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 one. That pretty unique one as well. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, Jonathan, uh, smooth to you, move to yourself next. What's your three word summary of the Dons 2021 season?
5: I've gone, and this is more towards next season play with belief. I think if I think this squad has, has obviously, um, it's I don't know how the best way to describe this, that's it. Um, Russell Martin's obviously got the players playing how he wants, and he's obviously enjoyed watching us, especially towards the back end of the season. And if we can continue that coming into pre season and then into next season, then I see no reason why we can't uh, move forward uh, higher up in the league and potentially challenge for, for a playoff. I mean, I, d- I don't think we're that far away from being challenging from playoffs. I know I'm saying this even without transfers or anything, but. I honestly believe that I obviously trust in Russell Martin and Liam Sweeting and everyone in the club to bring in the best that we can and to uh, get us in, get on to the next step, hopefully, in the future.
2: Yeah, I remember we spoke to Dean Thornton about, you know, just taking risks and causing actions in general um, of the opposition. And, um, of course, he... Made reference to Alex Ferguson sort of saying the same thing with his players and his team talks and um, that kind of plays into the belief side of things you know believing you have the ability to you know do what the coach team's asking you and you know also just going for it you know that's what risk take is and football is that in general you know we're, we're not exactly playing like a, a Gillingham four four two Hoof it up to Dean Oliver and headed down to someone we're playing this expansive style of football where we've got inverted wing backs, we've got Mr. Fielders playing at right wing back, et cetera. The no point in us just, you know, trying to do simple football or football 101. We're better off just taking risks, and you know, if we lose a few games, you know, oh well, you know, if we'll win, we'll win more than we lose playing that way of football, in my opinion. Um, I've gone with my three-word summary, MK Way revival. Um I feel this season's kind of seen us go back to that attacking football, which is possession-based. It's good to watch. Admittedly, not as good as it would be in person as it is on your, your a laptop or TV, whatever you watch the games on. Um, but, you know, it's still the MK way. And we got it back finally after a few year, few seasons where we didn't really have it. It was some poor football, quite frankly, and some pretty annoyed, annoyed as a fan base in general. So, yeah, it's nice to have that back. Um, and it's going to be an absolute pleasure next season getting back to it. And, um, of course, we got our first pre-season game announced today against Chelmsford City, so hopefully we can get to that one. Um, but if not, then, you know, August, back Stadium K okay, supporting the boys, and hopefully into a successful campaign. OK, Ross, we'll finish off for yourself. What's your three-word summary of this season just gone?
3: So I've gone with possession, transition,
2: and progress.
3: Um, I feel like they're three words which... Really summarize our season. Um, I'll go through uh, one by one. I feel like uh, possession. We all know. I think we've got one of the highest leading stats at, um, across English football um, per game. I think I believe we're beating City. We believe uh, we're beating a few other. Yeah, teams it's high, as highest well.
2: in Europe. I think sixty-five percent to beat everyone. I think in the end.
3: Well, there we are, um, and I've gone with. Um, Transition. I feel like we're still a team in transition, still to this point. Um, we're a completely different side to the one we started. And um, it leads on to my third point of progress. I've always said, um, since Russ Martin's been appointed, um, we needed stability at this club. And I feel under Russ Martin, we've got that now. And I feel I've, I'm not going to say top six next season. I'm just going to say progress. If we get 12th, if we get 11th, that's progress. And I feel like uh, us as fans need to take that into account and realise we're not going to be pushing for the championship or we just need to take it a game at a time. And I feel like in previous seasons, I feel like some fans have got ahead of themselves and uh, it's gone peak on as such.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're demanding fan base in general, to be fair, so... I'm sure if we if we end the season like sorry, if we end the season we did this season, we begin it the same, there were people like that, were not there, that say, you know, oh yeah, we should be, you know, getting to the top six, challenging the likes of Portsmouth, Sunderland, uh, whoever will be at the top from the championship. But yeah, you're also right, you know, we said me and you spoke together, certainly didn't we, Ross, about this exact topic. And we said it's a three-year plan to get to the championship. And, you know, to be to be at the end of year one and be, you know, 13th, but pretty much two wins off the playoffs is very, very good considering everything that's happened this year, not only outside of football, but of course with this Don squad and lose the amount of players you did, etc. So yeah, yeah, I love that one. That's brilliant. Okay, that is the final episode of the 2021 season. Been a pretty hectic one, to be fair. What about 54, 55 episodes, something like that? Um, but you know, we loved every single one of them and we thank you all for uh taking the time to listen to the ball. Um yeah, it's been a, it's been a good season overall, of course, rounding off nicely with the award show and everything like that, and speaking to Rusty of a day, which is nice. Uh but next week, focus turns to the new season and our transfer window preview, where we're gonna talk about some of the players we think we should be maybe players targeting, positions targeting definitely and uh, maybe answer some of the rumours that we've seen early on and get into people's opinions on it. Because I know know us three gents, uh, myself, Ross and Joe, are very opinionated on the striker situation. So that's going to be fun to talk about next week. Um, But until then, come on you Dons.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.